Welcome to the Agree to Disagree show, a show that discusses news, politics, and pop culture with your host, Luigi C. I want to see how many people I can agree to disagree with. We will try to solve life's great mysteries. Why is the sky blue? Why do we lean left or right? Why are we all nuts? Let's start the show. Welcome, everybody, to episode 65 of the Agree to Disagree show, where we discuss current events, politics, pop culture, and social issues. I hope you are all doing perfectly fine this evening, guys. Um, guys, before we start the show, if you appreciate the show and its content and you want to support it and you want to support me, all you need to do is three things. Like, share, or subscribe the YouTube channel, Facebook page the IG page, or the podcast on any of the platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and now, as of this week, Amazon Music. So I'm really excited about that. So guys, show the love. Please, all you got to do, like I said, like, share, and subscribe, please. It goes a long way to support the show, and I would really, really appreciate it. And share it with your friends and family, especially. All right, guys? So without further ado, guys, tonight's guest is another crossover from uh, my growing a list of friends in the podcast world from the US of A is the host of a taboo topic podcast. Great name. Let's welcome Ken Drew to the show. Ken, What's up, everyone? How's it going? I'm living the dream, Luigi. How are you? <laughs> I'm living the Canadian dream here, and you're living the American <laughs> dream. Is that it? Hell yeah. Excellent. Excellent. First of all, Ken, I want to say a huge thank you for doing the show this evening. Um, I've been I've been on a tear lately with my American friends and my American podcasters, <laughs> uh, like I was telling you off air. So um, I'm I'm really digging it. I'm liking it, and the people watching and the comments are are appreciating it as well. So I wanted to say thank you so much. No, oh, thanks for having me on, man. It's my pleasure. Honor. My pleasure. So. Um, Tell us, tell us more about uh, Taboo Topic. Um, why did you do this podcast? By the way, how did you come up with the name? I love the name. <laughs> and what, what's the purpose of it? And why, why, why did you do it? Go ahead. Yeah. So really, you have to, before the podcast, you have to go back even further because Taboo Topic was actually started off as a Substack newsletter mm. that started right after... I want to say a couple of weeks after the events of January 6th here in America. Mm -hmm. And for me, I mean, I always had this sentiment that the, our media was not fair and they spun the truth a lot. But what happened January 6th was the straw that broke the camel's back and the way they reacted to it um, and how the narrative was being presented. I felt as though I shared a sentiment and many, many Americans in a working class, especially had a much different point of view of what happened that day. So I actually did an Instagram post on my own personal page and I just got a lot of support and I figured, well, I like to write. So let me go ahead and I try to look into doing things as far as to make my voice known. I was listening to the Megan Kelly podcast. You know that one? Yes. And she was doing an interview with someone from a CEO of Substack and she was talking about free speech. And that was, and she also had like the C former CEO of Parler, I want to say, like mm -hmm. right after it got deplatformed and Amazon dropped uh that platform that app excuse me 
And so I started off with a Substack newsletter and I want to say I was going ham. Like when I said I was going ham, I mean, I was trying to keep up with like the New York Times, like four or five articles a week. And so obviously though, I got burnt out. And so I want to say around June, July-ish, um, actually June, June will be the one year mark where I started the podcast. But uh, June, I figured, well, let's just go ahead and for shits and giggles, let's go ahead and start a podcast. <laughs> And low and low key, I didn't really know like the direction I want to take the show and everything like that. But I didn't realize how much I enjoyed doing that as well. So I just kind of kept up with it. But I wanted to keep the Substack as well because they're interconnected. They're both taboo sure. topic. And so what I ended up doing was I figured out a routine for my show where at least one episode a week I dedicate an episode based on what I wrote on my Substack, and. I, and that's how I kind of maintain both. So I went from writing three to four articles a week to three to four articles a month. But uh, wow. it keeps me though, um, keeps me informed of what's going on, but also uh, keeping pace as well from my own mental health. That yeah, that's it's what we so many things in common. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I started I started. Um, using writing as well and i don't recall well it was it was on my it was i was using a platform to to do some of my essays or sort of like a Substack, and i had my website as well and i had called it the bloggertimes.com <laughs> that was the name of my website and that's how i started and then i'm like okay i like this writing but i need a voice i need a voice and so many things of what you just said um gets to me because we've had that same same scenario here in canada in terms of how the media is uh, bought and paid for by the liberals and we only get one version of things um mm -hmm. so i've i've had numerous uh podcasts and discussions in regards to that but isn't it you know it's always amazed me ken how how people could look at the same event let's let's take january 6th for example Correct. and look at it and spin it so differently haven't <laughs> is it aren't you amazed by that oh definitely and as a matter of fact, it really, I mean, especially when you are not part of that circle of the elite class, if you will, you feel left out to an extent mm. and you feel as though your voice isn't being heard or they're, they, you're hurt, they're hearing your voice, but they don't give a rat's ass about you and you're a peasant to them. Yeah. And so that creates this animosity and to an extent, um, this is speculation, some conspiracy and everything like that. But <laughs> you could say, you know, that's on purpose to stir up the vision. And so, um, but yeah. Uh, absolutely. I and mean, we can relate it, right? And and, and I got into this uh, in the, the detail with uh, the boys from uh, Between the Liars in terms of they wanted to get their perspective and of the Freedom Convoy here in Canada, right? I'm sure you follow that story. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, Ken, to the point, I swear... And I'm someone that's very strong in terms of my convictions. But to a point, I'm like, I felt that because our our prime minister, which is equivalent to your, your president, of course, mm -hmm. and, and the media were saying that if you if you um, support these truck drivers and this freedom convoy, basically, you're a nobody. And you know what, Ken, for a second, I almost started believing it, saying, doubting myself. And I couldn't believe that I found my, myself. Unacceptable doubting. views. <laughs> yes, unacceptable <laughs> views. And Ken, I swear, I cannot believe. And I'm saying this to you that I actually, for, I'm like, is it me? 
Am I wrong here? Oh, yeah. They did a good job of gaslighting the population for sure. It, it's just uh, – and imagine if it could get to someone like me that's, like I said, very, very strong in my convictions. And I know when I stand up for something, I think I'm right, and I'll try to make my point. I'll try to educate myself and, and do my proper research. And I even had myself questioning myself. So I could imagine how a country of 350 million is that, so, sounds about right. About that. I could imagine, and we see the divide that's been caused. We could say even before January 6th, obviously, since since uh, Trump has as uh, was uh, was president, and mm-hmm. and and we see the divide now. What what uh, what Trudeau as as prime minister in Canada? He's he's. I've never seen such division in in Canada probably in my life and i'm 47 years old i don't know about you in the united states what has your experience have been in regards to that in regards to the division like, yeah the division have you has do you ever recall so, yeah, oh wow no i mean i'm not as i mean i'm 26 so yeah okay um, I, i'm not as experienced in life as you are but um i do remember a time because i remember the events of 9-11. I was younger, obviously, so I didn't understand as far as the gravity of the situation. But I remember where I was at. Like, I was laying on my mom's lap, and I was watching the Twin Towers, and my mom changed the channel, and she was like, oh, crap. But um, even I want to say, like, even around Obama's inauguration, there is a sense of unity in America. Like, we could at least agree on the primary issues of what made America, America. And now we're at a point where I'm actually p- p- making an, actually made an episode that's coming out tomorrow mm-hmm. talking about the division is so deep in America that you might as well be living in different countries at this point where you have the bluer liberal states and then you have your more conservative red states. Yeah. And as far as like what they consider to be important, what's concerning and, ha- and even their approach to the issues they're going to have completely different, they're living in different realities. Yes. And it makes it really hard when you can't even agree on the primary issues that make a country a country. If you can't even agree on the primary issues, do you really have a country anymore? And so in my head, I just kind mm-hmm. of, I'm ponder on the fact, like, are we really um, the United States of America? Like, is it worth keeping all 50 states together? So I get into that actually timely as you brought it up. <laughs> I actually get into that tomorrow for my episode. Well, I I um I could relate it again back to our country here, and you know we were a confederation by uh, an amalgamation of states, excuse me, provinces. Your states there, um, same thing, and you know with a country as vast uh, geographically, not not even close. We're a tenth, uh, we're, we're probably ten percent of your population, or about thirty seven, thirty eight million, and um, you know it's it's literally cut in geographic. Um, four, let's say we have out West, which is, uh, red, hold on, which, which Republic is Republican is blue or red. <laughs> oh, Republican here is red. Okay. So, so Republican would say is out West, the Western provinces. Then we have Ontario, which is pretty blue. Then we have Quebec, which is another world where I live, which is the separate, separate taste. It's just another world. They're neither red or what it was. What does red and blue make? Green? They're green. <laughs> so they're green. And then there's there's the Atlantic provinces. And and again, they have another reality. And that's a great point, what you said. I mean, how conceivably, you know, Ken, how can a country that now is starting to become so divided with um immigration and, and things changing so much how long could we stay truly united 
as a common front? Or do we really need to? Why can't we just still live together, a common purpose of, you know, being humans living together <laughs> and 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 still looking at things differently? You think that's that's realistic? Um, that's a tough one, to be mm. honest, because so I'm going to be honest with your audience, which actually real quickly to answer your question about how I came up with the name Taboo Topic. Yeah. Because you asked me, mm. I totally, we totally forget about that. Okay. So as far as my opinions about January 6th, um, they were, I don't know, because I had a conversation with myself and everything like that. No one came to me and said, like, hey, so where are you going to come with your podcast, but, <laughs> or your Substack, but. Um, I was just thinking as far as like when I was creating my stuff, so like, what would be a good name? And what I wanted was an opportunity to be honest about my thoughts. And I, and I felt as though a lot of my thoughts were taboo. <laughs> and so I came up, oh, wow, taboo. Why don't I just call it taboo topic? I kind of, yeah, I like the, I like the ring to that. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and then that came up with the slogan, honesty equals understanding, because if you want genuine peace in society, you have to be able to be honest with each other. If you can't be honest with each other, then you have what Jordan Peterson calls it a fake peace. Oh, uh, my Canadian master. My Canadian, <laughs> I, I listen to him. I listen to him and Michaela Peterson. My Canadian genius. Oh, God, I love <laughs> Mr. Peterson. Oh, God, I love him. What a yeah. treasure. Canadian treasure. Yeah. Um, but, sorry, okay. go ahead. I was going to say, so to answer, so going back to the question as far as it's possible, so right now, as an American, I'm at a point now where I'm kind of in favor of separating the United States into different countries at this point because, yeah, it's a taboo I opinion. I love it. I love it. I love it. I'm, that's where I'm at, though. And when you see polls, though, like on the internet and these influencers, they say, is it worth keeping the United States together or anything like that? The vast majority will actually vote in favor of separating the United States into a different country. Wow. But that's but that kind of goes into what I was saying as far as this is a taboo sentiment within the working class that the, that the elite won't recognize or they won't acknowledge that it's there. And instead of acknowledging that it's there and working to fix that, they're ignoring it. And it really just validates our sentiments as far as, well, we're better off going our separate ways at that point, because kind of like a friendship or a relationship, despite yeah. the history behind it. If you guys are constantly arguing over repeatedly about the same primary issues, not secondary mm -hmm. issues, but primary issues, you have to ask yourself, is it healthy to stay together and remain in contact with each other anymore? Or is it better to just submit your divorce papers and go your separate ways? <laughs> you, better, you better get a good lawyer. But I love, <laughs> what you, I love what you said is, just to give you a little bit of historical background here, mm -hmm. um, I grew up, like I was telling you, a federalist, left-leaning, liberal, voting, um, Quebec needs to stay within the Confederation of Canada because we always we have a, a majority of French speakers, francophones in Quebec, um, and that we've we we voted already twice on, on a referendum whether or not Quebec wanted to secede from the rest of Canada, and and the second one was came dangerously close. And I've always been a hardcore Federalist, and no, we got to stay together as a Canadian country. But you know what, Ken, and I'm probably going to be surprised surprise a few people here, uh, especially the ones that know me. That as I get older, I'm like, you know what? Let Quebec separate if they really want to leave Canada. Honestly, at this point, are you gonna yeah. fight? Are you gonna fight a girl? You're in a relationship with a woman, okay? Doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't care. You're in a relationship with a woman, okay? I'm I'm ha happily married. Um, but if you're in a relationship with anybody, and that right. person doesn't want to stay with you, honestly, and they keep telling you, let maybe twice. You know what, honey? Let's let's um, 
let's let's people let's make our friends vote whether or not we should stay together and the friends say yes and the second time they vote it came pretty close it was a probably a 49 51 split and yes it was wow close, believe it or not yes um enough of Trudeau's shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, this this was actually the first one was when Trudeau's father was prime minister. And the second Oh wow, one, even then. Yes, yes. So uh Pierre Elliott Trudeau, yes, was was uh, Justin Trudeau's father. And um, so would you fight and say, no, we gotta stay together? At what point, Ken? And and again, I love what you said. Um, do, you know, do we just say, you know what? Okay, I've had enough. Here's the pen, where's the paper? Let's sign the divorce papers. I mean, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say, so part of the issue, though, is the federal government is not going to make it easy because where there's land, there's money. And where there's money and land, there's power. Mm -hmm. So if a state, like, say, let's go back to the United States for a second. If a state decided, you know what, we're going to go our separate ways. We're not going to take part of this. We don't agree on the primary issues anymore. We're just going to be with a couple other states, be our own country. The federal government will use force to keep those states together. And the states here, when I say here, obviously the states that, you know, in a hypothetical sense, decide to secede, uh, they're going to have resistance, which will lead to violence and turn to a, a second civil war in the United States eventually. I, I That's the see, issue. Yeah, I could see that happening totally. And for those uh, American friends and and or, or watching or listening to, uh, to the podcast, um, that I could definitely see that happening in Quebec because we have uh, huge natural resources, primarily uh, hydroelectricity, right? That we sell mm -hmm. to a lot of the northern states in in in, uh, in the U.S. and out west, the rest of the country, obviously. And we're one of the hugest, one of the biggest uh, hydroelectricity providers in North America, I believe. Energy uh, independent. Yes, definitely. I'm jealous. <laughs> yeah, well, we are for that for that part. We definitely are. We definitely are. That's awesome. Uh, so I could definitely see that as a huge, huge problem, right? Because hydro, it, it's actually Hydro Quebec is what it's called and mm -hmm. that run it and it, it's, it's run by the province. So that would, wow, the legalities behind that, Ken, I don't know. That's, <laughs> I wouldn't even begin. And then not only that, and, and again, to just to, and I've talked, spoken to this to, just to educate you guys as well okay. within, and the guys from between the lives couldn't believe this. Quebec has one of the highest uh, density in terms of population as a province. So we have it federally, on a federal level, we have what, what's called federal uh, equalization payments. So Quebec okay. receives from the rest of the provinces, okay, even though they're probably one of the richest, <laughs> equalization payments in the tune of, I believe, is uh, about $8 billion per year. From the rest of the provinces, from Ontario, from out west where the oil is, right? Where the oil yeah. stands are. And we receive $8 billion per year. Imagine. For what purpose again? It, they're, they're called equalization payments where they say the, the richer provinces pay out to the poorer provinces. Ah, uh, okay. So, <laughs> so like redistribution of wealth kind of deal? That's exactly it, which I never understood, Ken. <laughs> it just it doesn't make sense. Okay. <laughs> so could you imagine just the, the legality and the mess? I I don't know. I don't know. Um it's it's and it, and the threat is always there. It depends mm -hmm. on who is 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 in power, whether or not they're separatists or separatists in, in sheep's clothing, uh, like our current government in Quebec, um, provincial uh, government. Um, it's it's always an adventure here. It's always an adventure. Oh boy. So do you see it happening in your lifetime at some point? Um we 
you know what probably not and i'll tell you why ken because um as the generations go and more immigrants come and second generation and third generation and those kids they have less an attachment to the french language and the french culture yeah. and also those hardcore separatists are getting up there in age and now their kids and the younger kids the the, the francophone and the french don't care about having our nation our nation they yeah. care more about just give us a good world a clean world give us a good education and and now with the obviously with social media and and the internet they they want to learn more languages they want to be educated they want to travel more the mm -hmm. thing is is that outside of montreal which is a huge metropolis area in, metropolitan area in quebec yeah the rest and the anglophones i think were about 1.5 million maybe maybe even less mm -hmm. are all concentrated in that area outside in the rural areas they're they're hardcore uh francophones so they don't get to see or have access to english and maybe english tv but now with the advent obviously of social media and, and internet i i don't i see that just getting harder and harder for them to protect their language and culture which i could understand because right there they're a francophone little piece stuck in this you know in this vast body of water surrounded by canada and, and united states <laughs> so i could i could understand them and as i got older i, I like I said, I'm trying to understand them more, and I do. Mm -hmm. So I probably don't see that happening in my lifetime anymore. They had their chance; they came really close. I was but so. If it were to come, if it were to come up again, what would you vote? Oh shit, that's a great question. <laughs> uh, wow, I was not expecting. I love this. See what happens with your life. Uh, <laughs> um, I would still vote you on the spot. I would still vote no because um, I was born into Canada, the country. I'm mm -hmm. still a proud Canadian. Um, but for me, I mean, it's it's very different because as Anglophones, I don't know, we kind of never felt that we actually belong here. Yeah. I know it's probably, probably weird for you to, for me to even say this. Um, but I, I, yeah, I definitely would still vote no, meaning, meaning. We'll give it a year. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Who knows? It's crazy, you know. I'm I'm, I'm approaching fifty, and I, I can't believe how my thoughts and and my how how my opinions have changed over the years, mm -hmm. um, and how things have happened in the world, and how my opinions have changed on that. And you know, you, you mentioned something before as well. Um, if we can't even agree on the primary ideas, so something I, w I wanted to get your opinion on, and. And I mean, we hear we're hearing about this all over the news. Um, of course, the 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 overrule of the Roe and Casey um, uh, abortion bill in the, by the Supreme Court. Um, I, I've always, I'll, I'll just give you my opinion how I see it, and then I'd okay. love to have yours, okay? Because right. for whatever reason, it's it's a huge issue in the United States, and now again, it's starting here in Canada. And then I'll, I'll well, maybe we'll talk about that after because I have my own thing about that. Okay. Um, I've, I've never understood. I'm not, I, I've been pro-choice. Okay. This I, I'm a pro-choice, whether, whether it was come to bodily autonomy in terms of vaccines and mm -hmm. the same thing when it comes to abortions. Um, okay. I, I think it's a woman's right to decide 
what happens with her body. I think that it is um, the government's responsibility to educate our kids properly in terms of using condoms and contraceptions. I think that if the government, in our case, that is, is really moving towards a separation of state and religion, then we cannot use abortion and or, or pro or against uh, with religious reasons. Um, I just, for me, I never understood how a government could legislate what a woman could do with her body when it comes to a pregnancy. I understand the life that 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 is being taken, which is why I say that we need to educate, I think, our children better and make them understand. Um, I, I don't think that I don't I don't think that any type of legislation has its right when it comes to a person's uh, body and the decisions that they can make. This is the way I see it. Now, I'd love to see how you see it. And, and I, I want to try to understand it. Sure. No problem. So let me ask you this then real quick. Mm -hmm. Do you understand what the over, well, it hasn't been official yet, but there's a presumption based off the leak that yes. Roe v. Wade at least is going to be overturned. Do you understand what that's going to do at least? What's your understanding of it at least? Um, the I'm going to read it here. The immediate impact of the ruling as drafted in February would be an, uh, to an end half-century guarantee of federal constitutional protection of abortion rights and allow each state to decide whether to restrict or ban abortion. It's unclear if there have been subsequent changes to the draft. So, it's about right. Sorry, that's about right. Yeah. So I'm I'm seeing it as now it's going to be left up to the states to decide mm -hmm. whether or not they're going to ban or or continue to um to um you know be pro choice. Havers. Yeah. Yeah. So I see it happening. A right being a division amongst color states. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, so here in America, we definitely, I would venture to say that abortion is probably the biggest moral divide we have in our nation right now. Mm -hmm. Probably the biggest moral divide since slavery in America. It's that heated. It is that important for people in America. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of one of those reasons, one of those situations where, uh, one of those primary issues where you have to ask yourself, uh, when is a life that when is when does life begin at that point and yeah. so let me ask you this when do you think life begins where you think um it is no longer valid to kill a human being now are you and also since you say you're pro-choice there's actually a lot of pro-lifers out there who are pro-life but they have those certain conditions like they ex they accept uh banning of abortion after the first trimester or they you know, they'll make exceptions for cases of rape and incest. So I'm yeah. curious to see as far as like where you are on the spectrum, because they are there are some pro choices out there who will say abortion all the way up to the ninth month of pregnancy. Um, I would not go as that far, obviously. Um, I mm -hmm. think a life is as Susan is, is conceived. It's still a life to me. I mean, because then we're just paying semantics, right? In terms of, oh, does there have to be a heartbeat? As there is it three, four, four weeks? Where do we cut, do the line? You know, where do we draw the line? I think a life is a life. As soon as it's been conceived, there's a life being taken because that's potentially a life that's coming. Um, I definitely, of course, you know, in 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 the case of rape or incest, um, definitely would have to be pro-choice there. Um, 
but you know, I don't know. Can I, I, I'm, I'm again, you see, you made me look at it differently again, which I love. <laughs> I, I'm saying like, because it's ups and downs, it, 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 there, there's pros and cons to each one. If, if you let uh, um, a child live and, and they put it up to abortion, uh, excuse me, put up for adoption and they could potentially find a good home or they could end up being in the system and not have a good life. And as we hear those horror stories in terms of, um, being in, 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 in homes. And, um, I don't know, Ken, I'm, I'm all over the place. Uh, I, I just, that's why I, I'll, I'll probably leave it up to decide some of those like examples that you said, I'll probably leave it because of the complexity of it. I'll leave it up to a human's choice. Hmm. So, <laughs> no, I understand. Yeah. So I am actually pretty much the polar opposite. I am anti-abortion all the way through. And I would venture to say that I would consider myself an abolitionist in a sense, like I don't think abortion has any place in healthcare whatsoever. Okay. And the reason why I say that is because the prop, first and foremost, you said it yourself that at least we agree on the, as far as like, when does life begin? And it's a moment of conception. But now let's take it a step further for the semantics purposes, right? Where the baby, by the time the woman realizes she's pregnant, the baby at least has a heartbeat, which the heartbeat gets developed around that five to six weeks time frame. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, what happens when a woman has a miscarriage? You don't go, oh, don't worry. It's just like, it's like going to the bathroom. It's like peeing, no big deal. No, we go, we're sorry for your loss. Yeah, it's... Or, when it, or what happens when we see a murder take place and a woman gets pregnant? We don't go, well, who cares? It's just, a, it's just a clump of cells. No, we get upset at the idea that someone will murder a pregnant woman to begin with. Yes. But for some reason, as soon as we get into the healthcare facility, somehow the switch turns on and we have a different perspective. Just because we're in a healthcare facility, all of a sudden it's no longer considered murder or it's no longer a tragedy. When the when a woman decides to go ahead and terminate or end the life, yeah, I I agree with you on that. Mm -hmm. Can can we? How can I say this? How can I word this? Can we dis, Can we separate how um, you and I feel about it, and separate whether or not there should be legislation attached to it? Is that so, what I'm trying to say, Ken? Yeah, like, I de so I definitely think so. I think when it comes to the legislation aspect, so first and foremost, when it comes to any legislation, every law is a moral being enforced upon everyone. Yes. That's a fact. And yeah. so when it comes to abortion, you have to decide, is this a moral issue worth protecting? Is this a moral issue worth enforcing? And if you ask someone like me, it is worth enforcing. And I'll kind of make personalize a little bit for myself a little bit, because um, I kind of look at it from... First, like I understand the appeal for abortion, like especially in the United States, it's financially, it makes more financial sense to have an abortion than it is to even have a child in America. Mm -hmm. It's like r roughly $300 to have an abortion here in America. It's again, it makes financial sense, especially when it comes to picking between having an abortion or adopting a child. The adoption system here in America, like it's, there's a lot of red tape to where it makes it super hard to adopt and it's super expensive. So again, I understand the appeal of abortion. However, I look from the perspective of the unborn and if I, and you have to understand the unborn, they don't have a voice yeah. in this manner whatsoever. They can't 
go out and protest and say, hey, please don't kill me, basically. And if you can't, if no, if they can't speak on their behalf, then who will? And so if I was in that situation, I would want someone to speak up on my behalf, even if it meant getting the government involved. So I'll ask you this as well. Why should someone be denied the right to have that first breath of fresh life? Excuse me, that first breath of fresh air in life. Well, unless, of course, it is rape or. OK, that. so even let's use those two. Even that, because I've seen, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a child. I've, I just saw actually prior to the show, I'm a child of, of uh, rape, but I was adopted by a great family and I have a voice now. So. I'm I'm telling you I'm I'm I'll be honest with you Ken I'm 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 kind of freaking out right now because um I'm 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 looking at it differently I could see how how your point of view even though maybe I'll even stick to the other end but I could I definitely I'm going beyond even understanding what you're saying I'm not believing it because it is the truth everyone has their own truth um the the thing is you said something though um, so if, if you are going to legislate something because it is a moral issue, you know, it's, it's sad that why not make it easy? You hear these stories. Why not make it easier to adopt than Ken? I don't understand yep. if the same government that is, is legislating, um, abortion, whether or not you could do it or not, whether it's legal or not, why don't you make it, if you are going to make it illegal, why don't you make it a little bit more cost-effective and a lot easier to adopt? So and see what parents. you're doing right now. What you're doing right now is a reason why I think abortion needs to be taken out as an option, because when you take that option out, it forces people to address and ask those questions about how can we fix these broken systems, such as the adoption care system, such as the foster care system. Even in America, we have a broken healthcare system here in America. But if you can, if you take that option out, it'll force people to actually start thinking about those situations. Like there's a situation where. I read recently where an 11 year old child got raped and they got pregnant. And my thinking at the time, now I oh. want, I thought, and my thinking is if we are a nation that really believes in people getting better and health and we prioritize health, then why can't the conversation with healthcare workers be, what can we do to protect both lives? And I, why, why does it have to be, a sacrificial lamb in this scenario as in this scenario i think that it, the 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 fact of uh, this 11 year old bringing a baby to term will have long lasting effects on this child psychological because they're a child so so even so that so that brings another conversation then like is abortion a healthier solution than actually going through with the pregnancy there's a lot of studies that actually i mean first and foremost there's no in my any from my perspective anyway mm -hmm. There's no such thing as a safe abortion procedure. No, is there, a, there isn't. It's not yeah, pleasant. It, it's it, a I barbaric health care practice. And so when you see the trauma the woman goes through after having an abortion procedure, there's millions of stories of women who've gone who've had an abortion, they've had who deal with severe mental health issues, but they also deal with severe physical health effects that post-abortion. As a matter of fact, there is a statistic, at least in the United States anyway, where 70,000 women a year die as a result of abortion procedure. That's a fact. That's more, and to put this in context, more people, that's more people dying 
an abortion clinic than drunk driving in the United States. Wow. That's putting, putting into perspective. That is definitely putting into perspective. Um, so you have to go back to the 11 year old real quickly. Then is, are you going to, are you, is it worth the risk of her life at that point? To, which is a healthier route? It's, you know what, Ken, can I honestly answer by, I don't think there is an answer. Yeah, it's fine. I, I, you know, I don't, it is a tough question. It's an ethical it's dilemma. Very, very huge, um, ethical dilemma. And especially in this case, I mean, that's quite particular. We're, we're dealing with an 11 year old and then we're going to deal with even an adult that made a mistake and got pregnant and, and regretted having sex and, and, uh, you know, I can't be a parent. I'm not ready. But that goes back and, to what you were saying, though, yeah. earlier, as far as the whole sex ed, for example. Yes. And treating sex with respect instead of treating it as this casual event between a man and a woman. Yeah. There's no, I mean, when you're having sex, you are risking your chance of creating another human being. That's the sole purpose of sex is procreation. Yes. It, its sole purpose was. The thing is, is that, you know, we, I, I live in a, a very a progressive state uh province i'm calling it state now where, where quebec is a state uh <laughs> same thing yeah same thing same difference um where you know we did talk about there was edu sex education and that it was you know you could easily go to a nurse's office and get condoms and um it, it, um so so for that i think that's why we deal with with it so well here i don't think that our abortion rates are very high at all because of the fact of where we live and how we've always looked at even though traditionally we we it's it was a catholic church run uh province at the time uh but we've completely done a 180 we've completely changed um but but you know what's funny and and i i was just going to go back to what i wanted to say you know here it is our same and already of course mr trudeau uh as soon as you know the supreme court and the, the oh well we're going to make sure that canadian women have the free freedom of choice and uh, pro-choice and i believe in women's rights he's a feminist of course and but yet but yet we didn't have the choice of getting a vaccine so you hmm. see the freaking hypocrisy can yeah that that what we're dealing with right now like I, I've never seen a circus like this in Canada politically. Never, never. I'm, I'm, I'm forty-seven. It's a effing. Why am I effing? I could swear it's my podcast. Fucking circus. Okay, it's a fucking circus. And and um, you know, here you are. You're a feminist. You're pro-choice. But that same woman doesn't have the choice whether or not if she wants to have a real life to get a vaccine or not. Well, not only that, but he probably falls into the camp where he, where they can't decide whether or not a man could get pregnant or what <laughs> is a woman. You can't. You're not a biologist, at least in America. I'm, I don't know. I'm not a biologist. <laughs> don't get me started on that, please, Ken. Don't get me started on that. Come on, just please don't. Uh, we have, we have, an, you and I have enough to worry about as as is. Okay. Just Fair enough. We even. What's a woman? You. I mean, it's a circus. That's for sure. It's. You know what I always say, especially for guys like us. I mean, we live in the most interesting times. We yeah. like we have endless. Look at the look at the pages of notes. Or endless topics to discuss. <laughs> it it's every day. I have yeah. I have 
I put my notes on my on my um, you know the notes feature on the on the smartphone. Yeah. I don't even know how many stories or topics I have. I've ran out of space. Like it's, <laughs> I don't even think it was possible to run out of space. I don't even know what to talk about first. You know, I was choosing topics with you tonight. I'm like, I don't know. I'll just put 20 topics here. We'll see whatever we get to. <laughs> hit, the uh, random, hit the random button on the notes. Yeah. <laughs> no, but just just to just not to conclude, but just to um, I I see I see where I see where you're going with it. I I see how you could understand. And you know what I did appreciate? I appreciated that you didn't bring any religion aspect into it. Um, but it was just more of a moral issue. And it doesn't matter what religion plays in there. It's it's a moral issue, and it's a life that we're dealing with. And it's it's not as simple. And I'm just amazed at how it's always it's always has been. It's the same thing like the right to die, right? That's what we use a huge thing as well here in Canada, right? The right to die. I mean, yeah, so, so really quickly, I want to quickly yeah. point out that religion aspect. So I am a Christian and everything like that, but really quickly, uh, I've noticed that people that typically bring up religion are the pro-choicers. They're the ones who yeah. typically bring up the religion aspect when no one in the pro-life side said anything about religion now of course people like we have the church obviously in america mm -hmm. that will use religion but even then i'll challenge your belief a little bit and say why does the church's voice why should the church's voice be diminished just because of their religious bias why well i think that um, i mean don't they have much of an equal say well not anymore in terms of where i live regardless of how i feel can but just I mean, in general though yeah i mean no because i think then if we rely rely on the christian religion in terms of how they feel about abortion then how are we going to look at honor killings when it comes to different types of religions there's too many religions too many beliefs so how would we uh regulate that in terms of and how would we implement that on on a political level and a le legislative level it'll never end so how would you pick and choose whose voices should be heard then? That's a great question. Isn't that always the challenge, right? <laughs> it, yeah. It, that's, that's, that, that's the biggest challenge. And it's, a, again, a great question. It's, that's always been the biggest challenge. Who do we choose, right? Mm -hmm. Whose voice is most important? In this case, is it the fetus or the baby? Or is it the person? Um, that's a huge ethical question i think that we're going to debate probably to the end of time right yeah, um for sure but i understand now how how it, you know what bothers me though it's just that when it becomes a political issue that's when it bothers me ken mm. it's not a political issue it's literally a moral debate no what i meant is what i meant is when politicians make it a political issue hmm what do you mean Explain, if you don't mind. Well, like, okay, for example, here's there's a, there's someone that's running to head the Conservative Party here in Canada because the Conservative Party has been shambles, and this is really a popular politician right now. I'm not sure if you've heard of him, Pierre Prolevier. He was uh, very outspoken. He ref he um, supported uh, the trucker convoy, and um, of course, you know. And everyone has this newfound hope. He's going to come. He's finally going to get Trudeau out of power. The liberals are gone. And, and then, of course, hey, Pierre, where do you stand on abortion? Mm, and then, okay. And then, okay. And then, and then, hey, Luigi, you like this Pierre? Have you heard about his stance on abortion? 
Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Well, you know what, guys? I can't agree with everything that Pierre, if he's a, he has two young kids and if he's a hardcore Christian and he believes in his beliefs, I'm not going to vote for him because he maybe believes in pro, pro-life. Do you know what I'm you know you know what I'm trying to say? What if everything yeah. else he believes in makes sense, common sense? And why can't I vote for him at that point? Yeah, you know, I understand what you're saying. Okay, maybe I'll disagree with him on one point, whatever it is. But it, it's it's become politicized. That's the thing. Abortion mm. has become politicized, even though, like you said, it is a moral and ethical issue. But it's it's when the politicians politicize it to their advantage. That's what makes me sick. Okay. That makes sense. Um, so, but you know what? Um, I'm glad we had this discussion around it, but I don't think there's a right or wrong. I don't think that there is a conclusion here. I don't think how it'll possibly end to make everybody happy because it's too, it's too divisive. And like a lot of other things, I don't well, see everybody agreeing on it, right? I mean, the words of George Pearson, in order for us to think, we have to risk being offensive. So I love it. I love it. Didn't you? I saw that on one of your social media posts. Is that possible? Yeah, it's actually my one of the main uh, bio. It's in my yeah, bio. That's right. That's right. That's <laughs> right. So, I wanted I wanted to get your something came up new here uh, recently in Canada, and sure. you being uh, twenty years my my uh, my junior, uh, want to get your your feedback on this and what you thought about this. So. Um, uh, the the NDP, the New Democratic Party, um, came up with a what they call a members bill, uh, a, a private members bill, which which basically will probably will never pass. But I, I find it I find it pretty pretty, um, and I love to like again debate this or, or discuss this. Um, so basically, he's um, putting forward uh, the the party leader is Jagmeet Singh, um, which is being put forward in NDP private members bill as important as young people are disproportionately affected by decisions made by politicians, especially on issues such as climate change and housing crisis. So he wants to change lower Canada's legal voting age to 16 years old. Again, so this is how I see it. I'll give you mine. Uh, and this is, um, I think this is crazy, right? <laughs> I think this is, this is insane. Uh, I mean, uh, come on, people! You're not considered an adult in Canada until you're 18, <laughs> but you could vote. Your 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 front for, uh, cerebral cortex is not fully developed, but you're gonna go vote. You're gonna go vote. Why? Because he thinks that issues as climate change and housing crisis are so important. So what? All the other, all the other uh, issues that a 16 year old can't possibly understand or navigate or make sense of don't matter. Right. When did this, again, yeah. it's going to come back to what you said before, right? This narrative that nothing, the world is burning, <laughs> the climate change, the world right. is burning all of a sudden, billions of years of evolution. Mm -hmm. We can't tell what's a man or a woman anymore. The, the house, the, the world is, 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 is falling apart. We're burning. And, and the, come on guys. Well, here in the United States, the, we have a, in New York, Times Square, you know, we have a countdown, a literal countdown to address climate change where the world's supposed to end apparently in 2030. So I don't know. What? Yeah, it's a real thing T in Times Square, New York. Since when? Since 2020, I think. Hold on. When we, okay, we were right there. The, so New Year's and 
probably right before 2020. Was that yeah. possible? I was there in Times Square. Anyway. It was like in the summertime, I think they brought it out. Okay. So what's the legal uh, voting age in, in the States? 18. 18. Is it uh, federal or is it every It's state? constitutional. It's constitutional. Okay. So 18, mm -hmm. same thing like us. Mm -hmm. How do you see this? Is this... Well, the first thought I had was I was going to ask you, do you remember when you were 16? <laughs> Fuck yeah, I remember when I was 16. Yeah, I remember when I was 16 too. There's, I was in no position to vote. <laughs> you, case closed. <laughs> like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, that's literally, that's really my only thoughts about it, to be honest, because, I mean, at that point, you are a hormonal teenager raging on emotions and make rash decisions based on emotions. And you're going to tell me that they should be trusted to make important decisions that could potentially affect your entire country and given that freedom per se to vote. Hell no. I mean, um, you know, he goes on to say uh, the MP member of parliament, Taylor Backrack and John, each Ecorn, an associate professor at the University of Edinburgh in Scotland, whose research focuses on young people and politics. He said the bill is about giving young people a seat at our democratic table at long last. Issues such as climate change and housing are the ones that young people care about and that affect them in profound ways. They deserve to have a voice in the conversation about those issues. He added that it is important not to talk about young voters only in the context of the future. There are also issues on their mind that affect them in their daily lives that we need to hold in mind. How short-sightedness is this, number one? Number two, um, of course, again, we talk about this is a pure political ploy, right? Because you want, right. you want, you know, you put this in, who do you think? Young people young, tend to vote liberal. Exactly. So who do you think? And he's he's a liberal because he's, he's in a, he's in a, um, how do you call it? Uh, an agreement right now with the liberals because they have a minority government. Anyway, that's another disaster in itself. <laughs> okay. um, so, it's, it's clearly a ploy because what do you think these 16-year-olds are going to vote for, right? They're mm -hmm. going to vote conservative? <laughs> yeah, right. No. Um, so it, it's just, it, it's just I, I cannot believe the things that are coming out of Canada right now, honestly, Ken. <laughs> um, um, you know, we used to be the voice of reason on, on a global um, scale. And the shit that's coming out of this country lately is just absurd. I mean, a 16-year-old being able to understand economics demographics how these things affect you education infrastructure so on and so forth a 16 year old like you said the the best thing you hey mr singh do you remember when you were 16 years old seriously i was busy arguing with my mom can i come home past midnight and i'm gonna go vote <laughs> oh my gosh it, yes, teenagers tend to do stupid shit too. So it's so irresponsible, Ken. I would even uh, say eighteen, like even eighteen, Ken. Honestly, I mean, once upon a time before, I mean, the reason why the right here in the United States we're at eighteen is because of the Vietnam War. That's the only reason why we mm -hmm. have that amendments in the Constitution. It used to be twenty-one, okay, and then the Vietnam occurred, and then we made a constitutional amendment because we figured, well, if we're training these eighteen-year-olds to basically train up and kill another human being, then they should have at least the right to vote. So absolutely, absolutely. So I, so I would actually agree with the eighteen-year-old still, but okay. um, sixteen, no. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and so this, yeah. Based on what you were saying as well, from what you were reading off, as far as what the liberal establishment on your in your country, 
it almost sounds like they're saying we don't want to be the adults anymore. You guys can go ahead and take the <laughs> take the wheel, Jesus. <laughs> it's it's like what happened to the idea of like let leave it to the adults. It's like you're putting this extra burden on ki these kids as well, yeah. which is also infuriating to an extent. Like, why are you going to put this huge burden and pressure on them to make these life, potentially life-changing decisions that could affect the entire country? Well, you know, uh, it's, it, what, how much of you think this is an effect of like the, uh, what's Greta Van Berg, whatever? Oh, the Greta, our America, Greta much, Van Berg. Yeah. How much? Which, how much of an effect is? I'm sure it's this. I mean, how dare you? How dare you put my my future and, in in peril? And the thing is, like, it's not like I don't like her, but I actually feel pity for her because she's be she has autism, and clearly, it's adults who are manipulating her to say these things. Yeah. But no one talks about that. Even the conservative, which is where I tend to lean, even the conservatives, they tend to forget that there. It's the adults who are manipulating her and saying not saying this. That's I want to take that back, okay. but you get the idea that they're manipulating someone who clearly has a mental health issue. And also when you're at that age, you're very impressionable and you're going to manipulate someone like that. Yeah, exactly. And, and how many of the kids now are seeing this and how, you know, are they thinking that, and now the entire world, and we have a generation of kids that are going to grow up with anxiety because they think the, the world is on fire. Mm -hmm. Think about that. How oh, yeah. irresponsible is this? Listen, I have nothing against the kid. But yeah, and what happened? And now add that on top of the fact, if they actually get the right to vote at sixteen, now you're going to add on that extra pressure on them. Yeah, that's going to deteriorate their mental health even further. That's a great. That's that's a great. You know, great points all across the board, Ken. You know what? Let's let kids be kids. Exactly. Let's let's please. Would they have the rest of their life to be adults? You want them yeah. to vote at sixteen? Guys, come on. And what could you imagine the laws that they would pass? Could <laughs> Free you imagine? Ice no. <laughs> That's not what a 16-year-old is thinking at that time. All fossil fuels. Let's stop gas and with no plan. Let's stop it tomorrow morning. Guys, guys, come on. Let's get a grip. I here. mean, you're starting to sound like my environmental science class now in college. <laughs> It's it's insanity. It's making trying to make decisions and policies with no backup plan, with no progressive ideas in terms of let's do this progressively. You want to eliminate gas and fossil fuel cars, okay? In thirty years, can we make a plan? Can we make a plan? You know, apparently not. Apparently, uh, to me, it almost seems like l lazy legislation to an extent as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so it, it just. This is this is uh, you know I just wanted to tell you Ken this is the lunacy that we're dealing with right now and 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 um, I mean to be fair we ha the Democrats right now in America um, we have our Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi which I'm not yeah. entirely sure what's that what's the Canadian equivalent to that uh, it, it would be hard it would be hard but first of all could she retire for freaking <laughs> sake come on man it's all about the power man that's all it is. Jesus, Ken, like, I see some of the comments. I just, like, this woman, like, I don't know, man. Um, it's it's time for some new ideas. Like, how much power could you possibly want? How much? I mean, if you make a fortune like she did, apparently not enough. You know, like, okay. you. you it's human you, nature. You, it is, but you suck the system and go enjoy your money. 
Go enjoy your money. And it's ironic. And it's ironic too, because she'll lecture conservative states a lot, like these red states. But she just bought a mansion in Florida, which has become a very hard, a darker shade of red lately with Governor Rob DeSantis. Yeah, and we're gonna talk. We're gonna go right into that. But I'm gonna allow you maybe (laughs) just to correct something. My good buddy and fan of the show, Antonio Chichi, says autism is a developmental disability, not a mental health issue. I had a brain fart. I'm sorry. (laughs) That's what I thought. So. Uh, Tony's a great guy, and that's what I, I allowed you to say that. Uh, thanks for tuning in, Cheech, like always. Um, so you brought up our favorite governor. Oh, you like him too? Oh, I freaking love him. Are you kidding me? So so here's – here's. Um, I want to discuss, okay, this whole Disney thing, uh, losing their perks as uh, the Florida lawmakers back DeSantis – uh, where the state house passes the district legislation in 70 to 38 votes, which basically, um, if I understand this correctly, uh, Disney cannot uh, self-govern the land of which they're in. Is that correct? Yeah, they, wrong they're allowed, so they were allowed since the late 60s, I want to say, to basically govern as if yeah, they were their right. own city. Yeah, yeah. 1960s, you're, you're correct. So this is, of course, is... Uh, uh, direct backlash in terms of um, Disney's sudden wokeism and mm-hmm. uh, the don't say gay bill, even though it was never called that. Right. Uh, so this is what I love because, you know, there's a few things here. What I love, what I love about uh, governor DeSantis is I don't recall any politician with the balls of this man <laughs> uh, to, to, just lash out on people and corporate America doesn't care. And says, and it's just standing up for what he thinks is right. So mm-hmm. my first question to you is, first of all, what is up with Disney? Let, I know you did an entire show on this or you discussed this, correct? Uh, Ken? Yes. Okay. Uh, actually we did a, I did a special this week with a friend who we were into star Wars and we were talking about its association with Disney. And now we basically feel as though we're in this, moral dilemma as far as like do we support a franchise for our entertainment that we love so much despite its association mm. with disney or do we say you know what we gotta take we gotta draw a line in the sand somewhere at some point well yeah so so my, my you know what's it's always amazed me is how everyone is in disbelief or amazement when a Pokemon politician Pikachu face yeah it is in amazement or disbelief when a politician speaks the way he does, DeSantis I'm speaking of, and stands up for what, like I said, like I said before, stands of what he believes is right for the right of a child not to talk about being, you know, in terms of gender or sex up until the age of uh, grade three, I believe. Yeah, it was um, like right eight or nine years old here in America. I'm not sure how the Canadian system works, but here in America, it's like around nine or 10. Yeah. My son, uh, Mateo was in grade three and he's just turned nine. So pretty much the same thing. Um, So it's amazing how the reaction, mostly like who this guy think he is of people when you just see somebody actually being a real person, but he's actually a politician and making some stuff that does make sense, especially when it comes to this, and standing up to Disney. So there's so much to uncover here. So I want to know where do you, I don't know if you discussed this. If you could give me a, why do you think I don't I don't understand how why a company 
that has always prided themselves on family entertainment that decided all of a sudden to become woke. And maybe you'll probably say it's not all of a sudden. <laughs> and um, why would they do that? Go ahead. Just help me out to figure this out, Ken. Well, really quickly, in the spirit of Rob DeSantis, I'm actually a proud Florida resident. And here in the background, it says, don't show it on Florida. So <laughs> with the alligator. Yeah, we're going to show that off real quick. Um, That's awesome. And yeah, so Rob DeSantis to me is almost like a first really quickly, Rob DeSantis, I'll get into Disney, but Rob DeSantis to me is basically the more articulate version of Donald Trump. He's feisty, (laughs) fierce, but he can actually deal with the media in a much better sense than Donald Trump ever did. And that's what makes a lot of conservatives anyway. That's what that's what's really appealing for a lot of conservatives here in America to want him to run in 2024. Um, because of that, because he's not, because the thing with Donald Trump, even though he would call the media out on their lies, the issue with Donald Trump is he wouldn't explain to the media why they're wrong. Whereas Rob DeSantis actually explains why they're wrong and calls them out on top of calling them out on it. So that's one reason why I love Rob DeSantis. So best governor in the state, best governor in America. (laughs) No, I, I, so, so. Why why would a company so large such as Disney um have this stance? I really I'm having trouble understanding this. Maybe you could give me a you being from Florida, maybe you could understand in terms of business aspect. Why would is it that they're, they're just saying, okay, we're gonna show families that we are woke and that we support everything and it's okay and we could do whatever we want and it's okay to talk. To, um, to a child about uh, transgenderism in kindergarten or first grade or second, is, is it to that point? And first of all, why why do they even have to get it? Why do they have to prove that they're so woke or progressive? <laughs> why would they choose to do that? Well, this kind of gets into my religious bias a little bit. Okay. Um, and I kind of see this situation with Daisy Boy from a spiritual standpoint mm-hmm. in a sense that this is the result of generations of embracing secularism. And when you embrace secularism and you have this notion that there is no such thing as at least an objective truth and everyone has this, my truth, then it allows for corporations like this to justify sexualizing kids and talking about gender ideology in their entertainment system. And anyone who questions them, you can't say they're wrong for doing so because there's no such thing as objective objective truth which really that's one of the benefits at least in a society where they at least have some sense of religious values and then there's a higher power that holds everyone to a universal standard mm-hmm. and when everyone has a universal standard then at that point again kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier agreeing on what's true agreeing on the primary issues and one of those primary issues would be let kids be kids as we were just saying a moment ago let yeah. kids be kids there's no need to go ahead and be in a rush to teach them about sex at ages between uh from five to ten years old or personally i don't i mean it's one of those situations where i would venture to say even kids all up until until you turn 18 in my opinion that should not you shouldn't even have to worry about that kind of stuff i'll probably say around 16 is probably the time you know you can have to talk and you know, teach basic biology and stuff like that. But as far as like trying to teach them about like transgenderism and everything like that, leave that up to the parents and kind of go back to that objection, objective truth. If you, in a world where the society is founded on 
the idea of there's a higher power, there comes the idea that parents have the last say on how a child should be raised as well, not the state. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. That's 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 a huge thing as well here in Canada. Again, I'm going to relate it back here in terms of how much power does a state have over your child, first of all. Second of all, I have two kids. I don't want any teacher talking about my kid about anything. I don't give a shit who they, <laughs> they go to bed with at night. I don't care if they're gay. Nothing wrong with it. I don't care if they're lesbian. I don't care if they're transgender. I don't care. Teach my kid, and that's it. I don't care what you did last night. My kid doesn't need to know it. If they have questions, I, as their parent, will talk to them at home uh, so it's interesting that you say that because i also um which me call it it's interesting here how disney they like to lecture parents on what's morally right and wrong and they will like lecture the american population in particular about the atrocities of america's sins but they're completely silent on what's going on with china right now yeah of course and the genocide that's going on with the i can't pronounce the demographic of buzzlo so you know what i'm talking about yes yes uh the uh oh i'm sorry uh blank memory Brain fart too <laughs> yeah yeah I, I know what you're talking about though yeah yeah but they're completely silent on that and the forced abortions that they their state government forces upon them as well they're completely silent on that but they're going to go ahead and lecture the american people that they have every right to sexualize their children yeah, I mean, it's it's the classic do as I say, don't do as I do. I'm sorry. You can't have it both ways. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. There is no place, again, I'm going to go back to because I feel very strongly about this as uh, being a parent of a 12-year-old and a 9-year-old. Um, I don't know about you. I, I went to school. I don't knew nothing about my teachers. Zero. <laughs> zilch. Okay? The only thing I knew about my teacher, uh, teacher was whether or not he was a hockey fan or she was a hockey fan. That's pretty much all we knew in terms of our teachers, okay? I didn't know nothing yeah. else, whether or not they were married, unless they talked about it, whether or not it, there is no, you know, and I'm hearing stories now, t- teachers being fired because of they're talking about the sexuality. Hey, you know what? Good. Shut your mouth. It's not your job to tell a child about grooming. sexuality. Okay? It's, it's grooming. Not, I'm not going to sit there. Not, hey, I'm, I'm a straight teacher, okay? <laughs> I, I don't care. The kid doesn't care. The kid right. doesn't care whether you're not a lesbian, whether you're not a black or white. They're born innocent. They don't care. Leave mm-hmm. that up to the children. This grooming. I mean, what? What? I don't know when it's become. Now I'm getting heated. But um, <laughs> I, I, well, I, I will say I will. I definitely agree with you. I don't remember a time when I was in school, at least, especially like the uh, from kindergarten or third grade where my teacher told us about their relationship status or they yeah. talked about their personal lives. Um, I would venture to say, if anything, the students were the ones who were, kind of, if anything, the students were the ones kind of speculating what was going on as we got older and as we became teenagers as boys, which I'm sure you've experienced this as well. Sure. Uh, the conversations between the boy population anyway, as teenagers was, uh, which teacher is hot. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I, exactly. So, but that's, you know, let, let them though decide like when they want to learn about that stuff and let the parents decide when it's appropriate for the kid to hear and have those conversations, those adult conversations, not the teachers. And the thing is, so I'm not sure how it was for you when you were going through public school, but here in America, when I went through public school, starting at age, not age, but I want to say like at fifth grade, we were, parents were given the option to let the school at least teach basic biology and talk about sex ed. But it was like 
again, basic biology in the sense mm -hmm. of, hey, this is the reproductive parts of a woman, this is reproductive mm -hmm. parts of a man, and this is what happens when, this is how a baby's created, basically. But the thing is, these schools at least gave the teach gave the parents the option to get their students out of that uh, segment if they didn't feel comfortable. And so, great. I mean, what happened? So basically, I've seen the transition from where schools it used to be a given where the school and parents would communicate, and if something was going on with a student in the school, the school would actually go out of the way to reach out to the parents and say, hey, just so you know, uh, your son or daughter, you know, they're having these thoughts or having these conversations and they're concerned. We just want to let you know that this is what's going on. Mm -hmm. And I say that because I got a story to share real quickly, sure. being a dumb kid that I was. <laughs> but <laughs> so we were, there was a moment where one of my friends and I, we convinced this kid to put fingernail polish on his fingers to, mm -hmm. in order to join a club. And I kid you not. So he actually, we convinced him to put the fingernail polish on. But the next day, I kid you not, this is to show you like how much our culture has shifted. The next day, the school sent him to the school to the nurse to get to remove the fingernail polish off, and then called the dad and said, "Hey, just so you know, your son had fingernail polish on. You should probably should have a conversation with him about wow. it." Wow. That's just to show you like how much our culture has shifted in my yeah. lifetime. Yeah. Imagine. And, and you're 20 years younger than me. <laughs> so can, can you imagine the, the shift I've seen and that I'm trying to deal with when I'm yeah. having a conversation with my 12-year-old and he knows about, yeah, this kid, he's, uh, uh, he's gay and transgender. And we know about, I'm like, oh my God, it's first year of high school, Ken. I'm like, yeah. I'm kind of glad that he knows and that his head's not in the sand. But like you said before, because I mean, at what point could they just be kids? I don't know, Ken. Just we have an entire life to deal with the complexities of life and the complexities of trying to figure out your sexuality. Why do we have to do that in our teenage years or our primary school years? Come on, guys, let's get a grip here. Let these kids stay kids. And when the government governments and and or or corporate entities like Disney are taking a stance against this, and then also again, it goes back to the first point you said. How fast, Ken, did it spread like a pandemic that say uh, say no to the gay bill or whatever? It was never... Could you... Uh, the left-leaning media, how biased they were in saying, saying uh, uh, say no to Don't gay. Don't say whatever. gay. Don't say gay, yeah. It, it's just, it was amazing to see how fast that spread and the disinformation of like when Governor DeSantis never even came close to saying that that was the purpose of this. They didn't even have the word gay in there either. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> it, it's more, and but how they believe it, Ken, that they won't even pick up, uh, uh, pick up. Or well, maybe they do, but they just choose to listen to the narrative because they've been brainwashed. But, it, but it's, it's, it's insanity, Ken. It, it takes you two seconds to Google, like I did. I'm like, okay, what is all this hoopla about? What's going on in Florida? Google two seconds. Oh, okay, here we go. All right, here's the truth. Okay, here's the bill. Here's the bill. Totally makes sense. I support it 100% as a yeah. father, again, as a parent. But yet you have these people, same thing like with the pandemic. Let me put my blinders on. Oh, DeSantis is anti-gay. Yeah, yeah, he's anti-gay. Yep. It's well, Part uh, of it, though, too, I think, is because he was endorsed by Trump and the left in America. I'm not sure what it's like in Canada. Yeah. It's probably the same. But the left, in particular in America, they absolutely... 
find him appalling. Yeah. And so sure. anyone who's associated with him, they they're the first targets as a far as propaganda. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So um yeah, that so 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 from from that madness in in your neck of the woods. Let's go back to my neck of the woods. You, you want to hear some? This is another great one. Oh yeah, I'm interested now. <laughs> um, so here's here's the again the insanity of this government. All right, um, the liberal government, which currently is is in power, wants to change um a bill which is called the C11 bill, um, and they want to call it digital harms. Okay. Um, and it was it was introduced last year, and of course the liberal government uh, kind of put under the rug shrug how bad the negative uh, comments and how the Canadian <laughs> people saw it. Sounds about um, right. So this bill was sold by the liberals as a way to make the internet safer and remove illegal content. It was widely denounced as a plan to give sweeping and draconian powers to the government akin to censorship. Okay, so faced with such widespread criticism, the government said they would go back to the drawing board and then to show everyone that they were still at all about openness and transparency. Oh, yeah, he loves that word. They hid most of the negative reaction they received, of course. Imagine trying to assure people that your government wouldn't engage in politically motivated removal of material online by hiding criticism of your government. <laughs> Think about that last that last sentence, how ironic yeah. it is. Okay, don't question so, this. Bill C-11, currently before Parliament, seeks to regulate the podcasts or audiobooks you listen to, the streaming service you use for music or movies under the guise of promoting Canadian content. Yet it would also give the CRTC, which is the Canadian Broadcast uh, um, Regulators, sweeping power over what you watch, listen to, or read online. Let me preface this, Ken, by saying this is not China, this is not this China. Is Canada. This is Canada. Well, he seems to, uh, if I remember correctly, Justin Trudeau admires the Chinese system, the yes. Communist Party. Yes, <laughs> yes. This is, yeah. So this is what we're living with. And apparently, we could protect free speech, but still have this law. Apparently, That's that's what his, his uh, minister of... of uh, minister of Truth. Uh, minister of Cuban. No, <laughs> we don't have one yet. I'm sure one's coming. One's coming. So um, we could we could trade back and forth. So their stated reason for looking to deal with what um, they call online harms, again in parentheses, is to give law enforcement powers to deal with terrorism or child sexual exploitation, which, okay, up until then, I totally agree. Right. No one wants to see child sexual exploitation continue online, but uh, continue online, but the answer isn't to give the government broad powers to censor what you see online. The possibility that this could quickly turn to political censorship is all too real. The fact that the Liberal government tried to hide the negative feedback they received on these proposals should also give citizens pause for concern. Giving any government these sorts of powers should be a non-starter for all Canadians. Now, I'm scared. I really am. Because... Seek um, asylum in America? I, I'm, I, Ken, you know, I'm scared as a pro huge proponent as... The freedom of speech, as I had, believe in the freedom of anybody to say, as long as, again, they're not calling for any type of violence or hate against a certain group based on your gender, sexuality, so on and so forth, uh, religion. Besides that, I'll even protect the right of a Holocaust denier to say that, it, albeit how stupid they are, they have the right to say it, Ken. 
they have the right. I'm going to protect that idiot's right to say whatever they want to say. Mm-hmm. Again, let me preface this by saying I do not condone, guys. Don't, I don't want to see a hate speech towards me. I do not condone hate speech in any way, shape, or form. I, of course, do not think that Donald Trump should be taken off Twitter or some other, for whatever reason, saying, backing somebody or saying that we have to look at, in the United States, I forgot who his name was, and he was he was big with Joe Rogan. In any case, he's, um, I think, a psychologist or wanted to start looking at the option of a third party in the United States and how we could come together, mm. bring the liberals and uh, the, the, the Democrats and the Republicans together. He was banned from Twitter. Like, these, this is just, you know, this is just the tip, tip of the iceberg, iceberg right? Of what we see. So, um, how do you see this? How how is, how are things in terms of your neck of the woods when it comes to freedom of speech? And even though we know what's going on with it at all right now, anyway. Well, let me go ahead and really go ahead and make my position uh, clear that I'm an absolutionist when it comes to free speech. Okay. I think if there's even a hateful speech out there, that the Solution to that is more free speech, because I'd rather you know I rather know that you're a racist, for example, than you hide it and then let that fester and manifest itself into something malevolent to where it could actually physically hurt someone. Love it. So that's my first. So that's so when it comes to hate speech, I don't think even that should be a crime personally. Um, but so here in America, we got something similar going on called the Disinformation Governance <laughs> Board. <laughs> Which was the result after Elon Musk purchased Twitter <laughs> two days after it happened. Incredible. And, and so they had to play uh, damage control because they, they pretty much lost a big puppet in controlling and censoring uh, stories and information that they do not, they do not seem or do, they do not see fit. And so they create, went ahead and created the disinformation, disinformation governance board. So... That's why I made the joke of Ministry of Truth, because here in America, that's what we're calling it, the Ministry of Truth. Um, and I'm, I'm for my country, I'm scared. This kind of goes back to why I'm in favor of secession at this point. Like, I don't want to take part of this bullshit. Like, why do I have to take part of this? So it's funny, but it's okay that Bezos owns, for example, the Washington Post, right? That's okay? Apparently. That's fine. No, it's, right? it's, only okay, it's only okay as long as he agrees with their agenda. Well, it's so it, again, I'll bring me back to my point. Who decides what's right or wrong on social media and what I could see or what Ken could see? Well, well, that's what it was interesting hearing what you were spouting off was it seemed very broad. And when you make a law or legislate something that's very broad, broad, excuse me, that can't that's a domino effect. If you're going to ban one part of speech, well, why not ban this speech? Well, why not ban this? And before you know it, I mean, just the idea that they're coming up with this idea goes against what liberalism is supposed to stand for, from my understanding. This is not liberalism from what I understand. Liberalism is supposed to be about free speech. You see Berkeley back in the 70s mm. protested and demanded free speech. And now we're at a point where we can't even agree whether or not free speech is a fundamental right anymore. And also, one of the things I thought of as well as you were spouting off I thought of Jordan Peterson's warning back like six, seven years ago when they were introducing a bill that would 
change the gender pronouns, something along those lines. And he said, yes. watch, this is going to lead to a down slippery slope. He and, people, and the left made fun of him for it. And guess what? Now you're at a point now where you're coming up with your own ministry of truth at this point. I will not. He says, I will honor your right of how you want to be called, but I will not have it legislated by someone's going to tell me in terms of make-believe pronouns, made-believe pronouns, that the government's going to tell me what I have to say. I'll mm -hmm. never forget that speech when he said it. And this was years ago when all this started at the University of Toronto. And um, they still it, teach there. I believe. No, I think he's uh, he's decided to leave. Um, I don't believe he's he's teaching. anymore. I know. I was going to say, I know his daughter immigrated to America officially. Yeah. yeah. I'm not uh, sure about Jordan, though. No, I don't think so. But I, I believe that he's decided. Uh, I believe he decided to to step down and uh, he just couldn't deal with the bullshit anymore. And there's also another I'm not sure if you know. Uh, one of his colleagues actually is here uh, in in Montreal. Uh, mm. He's a professor, Dr. Gad Saad. I'm sure you know, you've seen him on on um, on uh, very similar to him and Jordan are our friends, and he's yeah. a professor at Concordia University here in uh, the John uh, Molson School of Business in in Montreal, right in my. And uh, he was been has been made famous by uh, by Joe Rogan, of course. I'm a huge Rogan fan, and um, he's another one. Uh, uh, he wrote the, the parasitic mind and it's very along the same lines in terms of this is what happens when we just let things go. And um, mm -hmm. it's just my, my bottom line is who, how could it come on? So you're going to, you're a politician. You're going to decide what is right or wrong, what's hate speech or not. But of course it's going to fit your narrative and it's only going to help you as a political movement, right? That's the only reason why you want to do this just the same way that he controlled what, the rest of Canada, how they perceived the Freedom Convoy. Because you know what I was called, Ken? You know what I was called? A Nazi? I was called a misogynist, racist. Um, basically, everything he said that those people that support them are this. And I was called this per pervade him. Mm -hmm. Exactly that and i just couldn't believe it i was almost laughing but i was so insulted obviously but i was almost laughing how it was like you know copy paste and i was called all those words me a racist me a misogynist i have four sisters <laughs> uh uh it, it's just it's crazy it's crazy how irresponsible these politicians they don't understand the power of their words. And he said this on a huge nationally televised, uh, very popular show in Quebec. Mm -hmm. called, in French, he said it. These people are misogynists, racist. Um, what else? He said a few other things. And I don't recall right now. It's, I'm trying to trying to remove it from the back. Well, it comes to show you, though, too, that the argument, if your arguments are so weak and your ideas are so lazy that you have to actually create yeah. legislation to censor people from criticizing you then you're probably not in the right you're probably batting for the wrong team at that point perfectly said perfectly and that's exactly what it is because he can't he can't put up with any type of criticism and now you can even try to legislate it it's truly <laughs> incredible what is happening here and i just i hope a lot of americans are tuned in and i'm really happy because i see my my, my uh my analytics and and uh, i think Half fifty percent of my podcasts are are from America, 
Okay. And uh, so, guys, I just want to tell you the madness that is. It's not just the United States. It's the madness that is going on right now in Canada. Okay. Um, now, did we rub off on you guys? I don't. I don't. Hopefully, know. I hope not. I don't know, Ken. I mean, I'm just <laughs> happy that I have you as neighbors because I know you're always going to protect little brother. But uh, <laughs> let's let's see some comments here. Sebastian uh, Mario says, "Wow, did not uh, know Trudeau made a payoff to an underage." Uh, ex-student to remain silent yeah i remember about that one yeah the pot really block. yeah he did of course yeah so that's coming out right now that. yeah well there's a lot that you don't know trust me we're gonna we could talk off air for hours <laughs> um mario says as well churchill said that there will be there will come a day when the complacent majority will be displaced by the vocal minority i love churchill i'm a huge churchill fan everyone knows that one of my idols and uh that's a great great quote I've always said, you know, since I started podcasting, it's always amazed me how a loud minority is going to make the rules for the vast majority. And 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 they're just scared and they go along with it because they don't want to be labeled all those other things that I said. Misogyny. Well, if it's any comforting in the spirit of Winston Churchill, he did quote that if you have enemies, good. That means you stood up for something at some point in your life. Yeah. Love that. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. One last thing I wanted to discuss. Um, sure. Just a, not, you know, everyone's talking about the Johnny Depp uh, defamation trial with his ex, Amber Heard. And um, why I wanted to discuss this is because this 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 is really, um, it, it's affected me. I wouldn't say profoundly, but I, I just, you know, and it's, what I'm disturbed about is, you know, everyone says men have to shoulder emotions more and, um, men are never abused, but here is a clear indication, and we could throw even Will Smith there, that clearly men that have are being abused and have been uh, abused. And um, I'm just so happy that this that he decided to fight back in defamation trial, and he was lost. Is of course his famous um, character, Fantastic Beast, uh, and and the I was into that series too. He was a good antagonist. Yeah. He played it really well. I was yeah, disappointed. Pirates of the Caribbean, right? Even Captain Jack, right? And and um, by just you know what happened with innocent until proven guilty here? Why? Because automatically it's a woman saying these things, and now it's clearly saying that she's lied, and she's it's clear as day that she's made up all this shit that she's the nut job in this. Uh, you know, losing his contracts, losing gigs, and I'm just happy that he stood up for it, and I'm just. I'm happy that he. I think he's given a voice to men that are shamed, perhaps that allow themselves not allow themselves. Excuse me. Let me say that that are being abused. Then I'm hoping that this does set a precedence, um, and men moving forward and coming out and saying, "Hey, I need help," or "I guess I'm being abused by this woman." Um, mm -hmm. I find it. Uh, I find it pretty sad. That really sad that someone as beloved as Johnny Depp automatically go into this psychopath and and amber heard she's clearly a psychopath um um and you know believed her mm -hmm. you know believe all women arrow. yeah believe all women and it's 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 made me sad but i'm just i'm i'm happy in a way i'm really glad that he decided to turn around and what's come of to light after you know during the trial and i just hope that this does have i think the positive effect of men saying it's okay it's okay. And, uh, you know, I, I've tried, you know, I, I talked about this in, in some of my podcasts and 
guys, you know what? It's okay to show your emotions and it's okay to say I'm not mentally well, or it's okay. Um, not obviously I'm not abused, but hopefully that that will lead to men's just saying, let's talk about our emotions a little bit more. And it's okay. You don't have to be, you know, Jordan Peterson says it, right? Yeah. I mean, You're he cries man. as well, like in front of the cameras. He has yeah. no issue with it. Yeah, absolutely. I cry. I cry all the time. <laughs> I'm a crier, man. And I don't care. I'm, I'm just, I'm an emotional guy. I'm an emotional guy. I'm a passionate person. Maybe that's my Italian blood, but <laughs> um, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with it. And you see him and he, he, how much he cares about his patients. Again, jo Dr. Jordan Peterson. Um, and I just hope that Johnny Depp has done this for a lot of men. What, mm. what, do, what, do you, what are your thoughts on this? So when it comes to the whole scenario as far as uh, how let's go, let's talk about fem feminism real quickly sure. and how they are, let me pivot back and even pivot back to abortion real quickly. Cause they're the same people who share the sentiment of shut up and step up when it comes to the whole sexual assault, domestic assault and everything like that. But it comes to issues like abortion or even Johnny Depp situation is shut mm -hmm. up. We want to mm -hmm. hear, we don't want to hear what you have to say. Yeah. And so so it seems to me like feminism as a whole, they have like their own identity crisis, right? And there's so many contradictions and so much hypocrisy in that movement to where you can't, it's hard to take them seriously anymore. Absolutely. So um, that's my first thought. And then secondly, when it comes to the situation with Johnny Depp, I mean, it's good that he's doing this, as you said, for men, because it's, because men need to at least have it should give men the courage and boldness. They don't have to necessarily be sitting ducks when it comes to these abusive situations from women. And I find it really odd that when a man hits a woman, it's the worst thing in the world, which I'm not advocating for that, by the way. No. But, I, I, but I'm also against women hitting men and punching men as well. Of course. Like that's also assault. But society has that double standard where it's okay for a woman to punch a man and it's even hilarious at times, but when a man does it, it's this appalling act and it's a sign of weakness on the man, but they don't ever talk about it's a sign of weakness of the woman. If they feel as though they have to physically hit or punch a man to get their point across or communicate, that just shows you like how weak minded she is. If anything. Yeah. I'm glad that it's coming out now, ironically, right after the Academy Awards and what happened with Will Smith and Chris Rock. But he's yeah, clearly, fucking mouth. Yeah, I mean, there's 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 no physical abuse there because he's obviously a very strong man, but there's clearly psychological abuse going on in that he's a broken yes. man. Yes. Uh, and he, he, you know, there have huge stages. How beloved is Will Smith and how beloved is Johnny Depp when these two guys, you probably, if these two guys don't give you the courage to say there's clearly something wrong here, these men are being abused whether physically or psychologically um it's just amazing how you know it's come to light so so close together yeah and it's interesting because when the whole me too movement first began as a result of bill cosby there are certain aspects of the me too movement that I actually supported i believe there were certain aspects of masculinity that i thought were toxic that should that shouldn't even be considered masculinity to begin with However, I also believe, and we're going to talk about toxic masculinity, we should talk about toxic femininity as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and there's no conversation about that. And I think, if anything, this could potentially start a conversation about the latter, just mentioned the toxic femininity aspect as far as what does it mean to be a woman? Is it feminine? Is it appropriate for a woman to punch a man or 
to belittle a man to the point where they feel as though they don't have a voice in the relationship at all? Well, it's it's first of all, what is a woman, Ken? No, no, no. That's true. I'm not a biologist. My bad. I'm not a biologist. I'm My bad. <laughs> is that a great way? I think that's a great way to end uh, end the podcast. What is a woman? I think that's what I'm going to probably call yeah. this. Um, <laughs> Ken, tell. Uh, first of all, thank you. This has been great. We were in the Joe Rogan area, and now we're in a, a, an hour and thirty minutes. This is great. Um, mm -hmm. Tell uh, anyone watching or, or listening where they could find you, even though it's going to be in the show notes as well. But where could they find you on social media and podcasts? Yeah, so on my social media, if you go to Instagram, uh, Twitter, TikTok, you just type in Kenjin underscore express and spell the word engine. Just put the letter K in front of the word engine. Then you get Kenjin, one word, uh, underscore express. And also for my uh, Wednesday portion, as, if you want to read my subsect that's associated with my podcast, just type in kenjin296.subsect.com. And oh, add that, okay. Yeah, so once a week, I write a monologue, and that's that goes with my, uh, that's kind of like my thinking out loud monologue, I call mm -hmm. it, to where before I actually get really in depth with the topic of the day and put, up, put that subject or story on the hot seat, as I call it. Mm hmm I do a monologue and I read it off of it. And it's, but if you, so if you want the transcript, just go to that Substack. and uh, trying to think what else? Oh, Facebook, literally type in taboo topic and look for the logo that says honesty equals understanding. Awesome. Awesome. So I'll, I'll share that on the show notes. Um, of course on YouTube, on Twitter, on Facebook, and of course on all the uh, podcast platforms. Ken, thank you so much. This has been a pretty enlightening discussion, uh, conversation. I really enjoyed it. Uh, thank <laughs> you so much, guys. Tune in to Ken's podcast. Check it out uh, if you can. And uh, I want to shout out, obviously, to all my American viewers and listeners to the podcast. I haven't done it enough, and I do truly appreciate the fact that you're 50% of my audience. It's fantastic. When I thought <laughs> this journey, I never thought, you know, and I look at it, and I just can't believe it. I have about 15 different states, listeners. It's just incredible from a this little guy from Montreal. So it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. And to collaborate with podcasters from all over the states is pretty cool as well and meet some, some good people. So I really appreciate it, Ken. Being the algorithm, man. <laughs> awesome so uh thank you everyone for tuning in guys take care of each other please be good to each other understand each other try to listen to each other can stay on we'll chat offline a little bit have a great friday everyone and a great weekend coming up thanks again everyone thanks ken peace no problem. Thanks for listening to the Agree to Disagree show. Make sure you like, subscribe, and tell all your friends about it. Until next time.